Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We'll read again verses 13 through 19. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt will bind on earth shalt be bound in heaven, Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let us pray. Father, may the Holy Spirit be very close to us this morning and in our hearts and surround us, that you might bathe us in your word, make us as a consequence more acceptable, more serviceable to your kingdom's work. May our love deepen and grow, our fellowship widen, and our minds and hearts be filled with your power. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If I could just real quickly review with you the last couple of sermons that I have delivered last two Sundays on the subject of the church, we made note in the first one that Jesus inquires of his disciples as to who people are saying he really is, what they're saying about him. They made the responses that they think you're John the Baptist, come back to life, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But he comes down to the personal question of asking them, but who do you say that I am? And, and Peter responds for the group, being their spokesman, and said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then it is the response that Jesus makes back to the group that we've spent our time on the last two weeks and will again today, when he says to Simon, blessed are you, Simon, For it was not flesh and blood that revealed this to you, but it was the Father in heaven. You didn't get this information from men. You got it from God. And then he says that upon a rock he's going to build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. That was our subject last week. I want us to concentrate upon verse 19 today. And he says, I will give to thee 
the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shalt be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose, and I'm not making a misstatement, that word is loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. It does not say what you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. That's not what it says. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I want to deal with that word a little bit later. The real, the, well, let me say, the, the beginning of the message this morning, I think we need to concentrate up on the word V in the King James, or you, if you have another modern translation, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Who is the you in this verse? It is from this verse that the Catholics get the idea that it was to Peter to whom the keys were given, and they taken, therefore, that whatever he does has divine authority, and they have followed through with that from Peter all the way through the papal system to indicate that the Pope is infallible, and whatever he says goes because that authority, apparently by this verse, was given to Peter and to his successors. I want to dispel that theory, at least as far as I'm concerned this morning, and you can make up your own mind. I do not think that he was talking to Peter as an individual at all. If he was talking to Peter, he was doing it no more than to the rest of his apostles. He was talking to the group and I would suggest to you that he was talking to the church that he was going to build. I want you to notice something. In verse 18, he said, I will build my church, indicating that that is future. In verse 19, he says, I will give you this power, also indicating future. I cannot comprehend why, if he was going to give to a man the authority that some say was given to Peter, he wouldn't have done it on the spot and, didn't, and would have not have waited till later. I think he's talking to the church, and it is that context that I'm going to speak this morning. You decide what you want to on your own, but, uh, but uh, hear, hear out the message this morning as you uh, decipher this situation. So he is going to give, at least in the terminology that I'm using, some authority, and Keyes certainly has some context of authority or responsibility, and we'll deal with that, of the kingdom of heaven. Now Matthew, uh, throughout his writings, makes reference to the kingdom of heaven. You don't find that term, I believe, anywhere else, at least in the Gospels, and I'm not sure anywhere else in the New Testament. It's not used in the Old Testament at all. Any other place that that phrase would come into being, it is listed as the kingdom of God. And only here in Matthew do we find the term kingdom of heaven. And even Matthew seems to use the terms interchangeably, such as in the 19th chapter, and the 23rd and 4th verses, but we're not going to deal with that. I'm not going to discuss the differences between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. We'll forget about that particular piece of theology. 
what I want us to notice this morning is that, in my thinking at least, the Lord is giving to the church some responsibility and authority. In other words, he's saying, I am leaving this world and I'm turning the keys over to the kingdom to you. And whatever you do is going to be done. I'm going to build my church, he said, and that the church is going to have some responsibilities and some authority. We have the responsibility in our hands of handling and taking care of and promoting that which Jesus established. It was given to the church some responsibility of carrying on that which Jesus started, which he proclaimed, which he established. So we have some responsibilities given to us. There's one thing I would like for you if you want to turn over to Ephesians a moment and then we'll go back to Luke and it's on the word pleasure. I cannot detect here in Matthew that Jesus is talking about this transfer of the keys from himself to the church to be a thing of pleasure or privilege but I think we find it other places and Paul makes reference to it and I passing, want to call your attention to it in Ephesians the first chapter, in the first chapter, uh, I preached from this some time back. I preached from four words from this chapter. In verse 4, the word chosen. Verse 5, adoption. Verse 7, redemption. And in verse 13, sealed. Cho uh, chosen, adopted, redeemed, and sealed was, was the four words that he used. But as you look at it this morning, I want you to notice... Verse 4 says that he has chosen us even before the foundation of the world. Down in verse 5, he has predestined us unto adoption. But the phrase I want you to notice is the last phrase of that verse, according to the good pleasure of his will. It pleased God to adopt us over in verse 9 having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. God has revealed to us a great deal of his will because it pleased him to do so. Now, take that and go to Luke chapter uh, 12 for a moment. And it's, it's interesting to see something that the Lord speaks in chapter 12, verse 32 of Luke. And if you'll notice in verse 31, he's taught, he says, We'd rather seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then verse 32, Fear not, little children, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, and Jesus says to Peter and the others, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, when uh, our son, John, became 16 and got his driver's license, when he came home that first day at supper time, he was very fidgety. He would look at me and back down to his food and just shovel it in and look up. I knew he was nervous. 
as he could be, and I knew exactly what was going through his mind. He's getting ready to say, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? You know, first day, got your license, you can legally drive. The first thing to do that night is go for a drive, right? So I knew what he was thinking, but I just let him go through all of this till finally he got up enough nerve to ask me for the keys. Now let me tell you, it was not my good pleasure to turn the keys over to him. As a matter of fact, I did it with fear and trembling. I did take them out of my pocket and hand them to him and let him have the car. He had a right to it. I did the same thing when I got my license and he had a right to do it, but I didn't do it with pleasure. But God is saying, I'm going to turn over with pleasure the keys to the kingdom. He's putting us in the driver's seat. He's almost saying, I'm handing you the reins. And to a group of now 11 weak, fearful, uneducated bunch of incompetent misfits, and wouldn't that describe those apostles? I find it hard to believe that he did it with ease, but he did. He did it with confidence. He didn't with fear and trembling say, I don't know whether you can handle it or not, but I'm going to let you try. Go ahead, just be in by 11 o'clock tonight. Let's see how you do. He didn't take that fatherly attitude that I took and turn over the whole works to this little group of people and think, well, give them a try. If you fail, you fail. He had every confidence in the world, in all of his kingdom, that what he turned over to his apostles would grow and multiply and produce something that even the gates of hell, as the preceding verse would say, couldn't prevail against it. But I think he was not placing his confidence in those men. He was placing his confidence in his own blood and in the grace of God and, and certainly in what the Holy Spirit could do in and through this body of weak, uneducated, incompetent people that has grown into something that we have today. Now, let's look at the words loose and bound. He said, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And as I've already mentioned, Wow, that's not a mispronunciation. That's the way it must be said. It's not talking about being lost. That something has been misplaced and you can't find it. Or you, uh, it was destroyed. You've lost it. No. He's saying whatever you loose, L-O-O-S-E, loose on earth. The word means untie. It means remove the shackles. It means set free. As Jesus used the word when he sent his disciples to the little town to get the coat upon which he would ride into Jerusalem 
for his uh, triumphal entry. He said, you will find a coat tied. Loose him and bring him here. Untie him. Or John used the same word when he said, there's one coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to. Loose. Meaning, untie. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were in prison and at midnight they were singing and praying and the scripture tells us that immediately every man's bonds were loosed. Means the shackles were removed. They were absolutely now free to go. Or the terminology that is used in Romans 7 when uh, Paul is talking about the relationship of husbands and wives and and he used the word loose when a, a wife is loose from the law when it comes to her husband if he is dead. So, that's the terminology. Now, what was he saying to the church? He was saying to this group of men and women that were before him and to us today, I'm putting in your hands the responsibility of loosing the bonds that tie people to their sins that makes them slaves to set them free. That's the responsibility of the church. We are to preach the gospel in such a manner that people will be loosed from their sins. John chapter 8 verses 32 through 36 are important words here. Verse 32 through 36, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How are people going to know the truth? The scripture tells us that God selected the foolishness of preaching or by that simple process to present the word so that people could respond and be made free. And the people responded here to, uh, to Jesus in verse 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou that ye shall be made free? That's the problem that people are facing today is they do not know they are in bondage. And almost no unsaved person would ever admit that he's a slave. But he is to his sin. His sin has bound him into slavery. And it's the responsibility of the church to present the gospel that he can be set free. And that's what Jesus was saying to the church. You're responsible for seeing to it that the bonds that hold people in sin are loosed. Not that we loose them, but that we present the gospel so that Jesus Christ can set them free. Alright. That's the word loose. There's another word. Whatever you bind. Go with me back to the Old Testament. Isaiah 61. Very interesting. Verse of Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
You'll know some of this by heart. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And it goes on a little bit. This is the passage that Jesus turned to when he was asked to read in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. And when he got done reading that passage of scripture, he closed the, the scrolls and he turned to the people and said, Today this has been revealed to you. It's come about. And they were ready to lynch him or take him out and throw him over the cliff. But what did Jesus say that he had been sent to do? He had been sent to, first of all, set at liberty those who are captives. And what else? To bind up the brokenhearted. That was the purpose for which Jesus came. He said, I, it's been fulfilled in your ears. I've come. I am the fulfillment of that scripture. In our hospitals, we have all of those many, many cases of broken bodies. Our nurses from our congregation, and I think we have two, I'm not sure if we have other nurses in our congregation, are well acquainted with the responsibility of receiving into emergency rooms and into the hospital rooms mangled and broken and uh, bodies of every shape and form. I have had some opportunity to view some of those things and I can have a little appreciation though very little of all that goes on in trying to put back together that which is broken we go to the doctor and say doc I'm sick fix me my arm's broken fix it I have something inside that's not working right take it out and fix it and it's amazing how much fixing can be done to this miserable old body, even to the point of putting in new parts and artificial parts. I don't have any of those yet, but I might someday. I'll be glad if they know how to do that. But he didn't assign us the responsibility, the church, of, of fixing the body. He assigned us a, a more difficult task. A responsibility that that's, is awesome in its nature. And that is we are to bind the brokenhearted. To put back together broken lives. To heal the spirit. That's an awesome task. It was for that purpose that Jesus came and it is for that purpose that he has called us and handed us the keys 
that this is your charge. You take broken humanity and apply the balm of healing and bandage those people in the gospel. Perform the surgery if necessary in order that a soul might be saved. We sing a hymn oft times. What can make me whole again? And the refrain to it is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Life has its diseases and its infections and its brokenness. I think we're seeing one of those worldwide diseases in our midst today and in our efforts in Saudi Arabia against Iraq. The way I see it, that is a sore in the side of the world that must be treated. We treat it today or it will fester until it will be an awesome task in the future. You can look at it as you want. But I see that there are other festering problems in our world that must have the attention of the church. We've seen in just this few recent days of the tremendous uh, marches for peace against our efforts in the desert storm activities. But we haven't seen much about the 4,000 babies who died yesterday in abortions in the United States. I heard nobody yesterday rise up in opposition or criticism to murder, even amongst our own people and the most innocent of all those who are yet unborn and have no protection that they can offer themselves. I haven't seen the tremendous upheaval against the war on drugs to assure that we stamp it out before drugs fry the minds of, of millions of our finest young people. It's taken as something that is socially acceptable today. Nor the war on crime, we say, isn't it too bad, and all of those things, but we really haven't been willing to put our money where uh, it ought to uh, count in those tremendous wars that we're fighting, but they are festering problems of society, and Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys to bind up the brokenhearted. You have the authority. As a mother takes her child and holds it in her arms as she sits in, in the examining room, and the nurse comes in, or the doctor, and with a, a needle about five miles long, it would seem, to the child. And that mother holds that child lovingly, but firmly insisting that the child must receive the shot. Although the shot hurts, the good that it does far outweighs the pain of the moment. I think Jesus is saying to the church that I have given you the world and I want you to put your arms around it and hold it tight so that I, the great physician, might give it the medicine that it needs to make it better. Giving you the keys, the authority to bind up the world. 
might be better. Jesus said on one occasion that the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. That's the charge of the church. Not to be ministered unto. Not to have somebody pamper us, but for us to go out seeking those who need our help. He also said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. We have the keys in our hand. How well will we use them to bind up the brokenhearted and to loose those who are bound in slavery to their own sin? Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.